Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we're looking at Mexico, where a new president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, universally known as AMLO, is about to be sworn in. He's regarded as the most left-wing president in the country's modern history. So what's going to happen in Mexico now? Joining me on the line from Mexico City is our correspondent there, Jude Weber, and here in the studio is Capital Markets Editor Katie Martin. Jude, first of all, just give us a sense of, of the man himself, of AMLO. I mean, he's, he's a veteran politician, isn't he? He's been around a long time before finally achieving this uh, great office. Yeah, it was his third attempt at the presidency. And before that, he was known to Mexicans because he was mayor of Mexico City from 2000 to 2005. So he's been he's been around. He's a politician who um, cut his teeth in the PRI, which was the party that ruled Mexico for 71 years until 2000. So he cut his teeth in the PRI and then he joined a left-wing party. And then he left that party and founded his own party, Morena. So, yeah, he's a political maverick in many ways. He likes to talk directly to the people. He believes, really, that Mexico needs a profound transformation. And that's what he says he's going to deliver. And he's regarded, as I mentioned in the queue, outside the country as a leftist, uh, a populist. Is that a fair characterization? And how does that manifest itself in terms of actually what he's proposing to do as president? Well, he's um, he's definitely a leftist. There's no question about that. In terms of his policies, they're very progressive. It, personally, he is, you know, his own views are perhaps a little bit more conservative on certain issues. But um, but his his government is a leftist nationalist government, and he wants to put the poor people first and really rule for the people. You know, he's got several sort of mantras. One of them is that you can't have a rich country when your people are poor. And um, another one that he's been using um, in several election campaigns is, you know, for the good of Mexico, first the poor. That's the frame of reference. And what he wants to do is an austerity government. So he wants to save lots of of money. He wants to crack down on corruption. That's been um, an absolute guiding theme for him. And with the money he saves from corruption, he wants to plough that into development um, and development, especially in the poor south, where he's got some pet infrastructure projects like two particular train projects. He's got a raft of social projects as well. He's got um, two particular signature social projects. One is to offer scholarships or apprenticeships to young people who aren't studying or working at the moment to give them opportunities. And the other one is to double old age pensions for people. And and these are things that he's just put to a popular consultation and were overwhelmingly approved. So he takes office with, you know, a raft of promises and really sky high expectations. So Katie, I mean, obviously, uh, the people who voted for AMLO, the left are, are very excited. What do the markets think, though? Because generally, leftist populist hasn't got a great reputation with the financial markets. You look at what's happening in Venezuela and so on. Well, yeah, Venezuela is an extreme example, but you're right. There's a kind of truism that markets don't particularly like leftists, but they don't particularly like right-wing ideologues either. They're, and so they're, in a sense, they're pretty kind of neutral. For for most investors, the, the proof of the pudding's in the tasting, right? They want to see what AMLO is going to actually do. 
Um, one big investor I was speaking to yesterday was saying that's been precisely their approach to this whole situation is let's see what AMLO is going to do. And they don't like it so far. That He's proven himself to be very interventionist in a way that has been quite unsettling to markets. But he's so, barely taken office yet, so how, how come he's interventionist already? Well, so for example, there's the airport programme that he cancelled. This is a $13 billion airport programme. is partially built and he decided to scrap it effectively after a people's poll and that unsettled the bond market that was kind of backing the project and made a lot of investors think, hang on, what about all these other projects that I've been supposed to be investing in? What about all this other money I've been putting to work in in Mexico? Is it on a hiding to nothing? Stocks are down about a fifth from the peak and uh, the dollar is trading at about uh, 20 Mexican pesos, which is like relatively weak level for the peso. So what investors are worried about is that on the face of it, Mexico's got a really great opportunity to take so it can fill the gap that's effectively likely to be left by China's trade with the US and really step in and make, you know, a kind of really great opportunity out of it. But if there's lots of interventionist policies, if this kind of strain of populism continues from AMLO, then they're going to get nervous um, and they're getting particularly nervous around the inauguration and they want to see what's going to be in the budget, which I believe is coming up in the next few weeks. That's kind of going to be a testing point. What I would say, though, is that while some investors are recoiling, the jury is still out to the extent that others... So there's PIMCO, which is obviously a massive bond house, which is saying that it sees that it's a, a buying opportunity from the weakness we've had in, in Mexican markets so far. So it's not that there's universal aversion to what AMLO's doing, but they do want to see more detail and they're not super encouraged by what they've seen over the past few months before his inauguration. Jude, I mean, AMLO himself is aware of the potential for there being market pressure and has spoken about it, hasn't it, about actually defying the markets? Well, he's spoken about defying the markets, but he's also, he's um, put a video message up yesterday on social media. And in that he was saying, you know, in my inauguration speech, I will be reassuring investors. So he understands that, you know, that things have perhaps not gone as well as they could have done. Earlier on this week, after Monday was a a terrible day in the stock and currency markets here, you know, people were referring to it as a Black Monday. At the end of the day, the incoming finance minister called a surprise press conference to try and steady things and remind people that, you know, they weren't going to do some of the more off-the-wall proposals. For example, late last week, a leftist party, which is allied to Mr Lopez Obrador's party in in Congress, put forward an initiative that said these private pension funds that we've got in Mexico are all very well but they're not really doing their job and so what we need to do is to go back to a single state um, pensions a single state pension system and we need to invest the money in national projects and that obviously caused quite a stir because people thought that sounded a bit like nationalizing the pension funds or pension grab or something like that so on on Monday night the incoming finance minister says oh god we're not going to do anything anything like that no nonsense like that but they, they haven't yet realised that markets need to hear that kind of reassurance immediately. You know, they, they waited a little bit too long to, to say it. For example, on that popular consultations, the People's Poll, uh, as a result of which AMLO decided that he would scrap the airport project. I mean, he has made very clear that these polls are here to stay. I think people understand that. And I think perhaps we've seen the worst in, in terms of markets, the poll that's going to affect markets the most. Perhaps we've seen that one already in the in the airport poll. But um, but as Katie said, obviously the, the big test is the budget, which has to be presented by the 15th of December. And the incoming government has said that probably a couple of days beforehand they expect to be announcing it. And what they've been telling
demographing so far is that they'll be very cautious. The sort of levels that people are expecting, they're talking about almost uh, 1% primary surplus. They're talking about, you know, a level for the for inflation, for the peso, for the, the cost of Mexico's oil mix that are all in line with, you know, what the market wants to hear. So that will buy them some time, I think, if they present a good budget. But then they really have to start delivering. And I think the problem is now have, having upset markets, they can't really afford to put a foot wrong. Mm. And Katie, how vulnerable are they? I mean, the, you said the Mexican economy has been doing relatively well. So can they afford a bit of market scepticism or could things turn quite quickly? Well, I think they could probably afford a little scepticism. I think people do still see the kind of growth case for Mexico. But if the past 12 months have told us anything, it's the if you look at what's been going on with Turkey, you look at what's been going on with Argentina, granted pretty extreme cases, but nonetheless, when politics really hit the skids and the market punishment can be pretty severe. So, you know, as Jude was saying, it sounds like they are going to go to some effort to reassure investors that they're not going to, you know, to do anything that would really sort of shove them all out of the door. But that is definitely going to be important because the market is definitely looking for weak links. And when it finds them, as I say, it can get ugly. Mm. And I mean, Jude, Give us a sense of, I mean, maybe we can't yet know, but of just how radical AMLO potentially is. Because, I mean, we saw in the Brazilian election the right populist, Jair Bolsonaro, basically trying to tar the Brazilian left as, as wanting to turn the country into Venezuela, being in the same kind of general basket as the Venezuelans, the Cubans, etc. Is that kind of accusation hurled at AMLO and with any uh, justification? It's hurled at AMLO all the time. Um, during the election campaign, the outgoing pre-party, um, that was basically their rallying cry. And in that sense, you know, he doesn't exactly help himself because uh, Nicolas Maduro, the president of Venezuela, is coming to his inauguration on Saturday. And AMLO has said, oh, he's very welcome. And he's also refused to get into the politics of Venezuela, you know, whereas the outgoing government has taken a much more active role in conjunction with other countries in trying to find a solution to the Venezuelan problems. The incoming government has said more or less, well, you know, if we can be useful, we'll do it. But if not, you know, we don't want to be involved in other other countries' affairs because we don't want them getting involved in our affairs. In terms of the economy, I mean, I think it's, it's exaggerated to say, you know, Mexico could turn into Venezuela. It's nowhere near that yet. I mean, and we're still talking about growth next year and... Uh, you know, think things might slow down. Uh, but I think that's sort of a risk and and how AMLO plays it's a risk in terms of the way people portray him and, and, and see him. And so he's and he's he's going to have a sort of a tug of war also um between people who are more radical, so his supporters who are more radical and and his supporters who are a little bit more um market friendly. And you know, up until now what we've seen is perhaps the more radical group winning out, for example, over the airport some of his advisers who were more market friendly had been reassuring investors that oh no 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 don't worry the airport won't be cancelled and then it you know it hasn't formally been cancelled yet but it's going to be you know so we're going to probably see that tug of war I think between the the more radical and the more market friendly factions. And finally for, for both of you obviously the big kind of regional context is the pressure that Mexico has been put under by a very protectionist White House by Donald Trump. NAFTA has been not only renegotiated, it's been renamed. But how secure is that settlement? And is the question about the US relationship really going to overshadow AMLO's presidency, Katie? 
I think it is a mistake to consider US trade relations with any sort of certainty. And certainly ever since Donald Trump's inauguration, you've seen that that has very serious power to move Mexican markets. So yeah, if if that goes sour again, that would be certainly an additional risk. And Jude, briefly, how do you think it's going to pan out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it's not a done deal in the US Congress, is it? And so even though AMLO's coming in, hoping that it will be signed the day before in Buenos Aires on the sidelines of the G20, it will be approved, no problem, by the Mexican Senate, but it still has to be approved by the, by the US House. And just to your wider question of bilateral relations, well, obviously the, there's a massive migrant crisis at the moment. That's going to overshadow relations. It puts the incoming government into an extremely tricky spot because they have to manage their promises to Mexicans to improve the lot of poor Mexicans. They have to try and get off the ground a a sort of more development-focused plan for Central America so that people aren't feeling that their only option is to migrate to the US. But at the same time, keep Donald Trump sweet, and that's a very tall order. Well, it sounds like a fascinating story to follow over the next year or so. So for the moment, thank you very much indeed to Jude Weber in Mexico City and to Katie Martin here in the studio in London. That's it for now. Until next week, goodbye. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.